0: How are things? This is Mark here, and you're more than welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. This is episode 123. Thank you so much for all the love. Thank you for the likes and the shares and the subscribes and the follows and all that jazz is absolutely blowing me away. Um, As I say, we're not slowing down. We're only getting faster. Just a quick bit of admin to get through before I introduce our guest here. Um, I have a lot of new blogs out on my website. Go and check them out. You can read them, loads of different topics, stuff like that and uh, also if you want to get me now that we're back opened up and we can go and do shit again um if you want to get me to do a, a mental health awareness talk in a school or work or a discussion panel or whatever it's a www.clockworkjunkiepodcast.ie if you want to contact me the email address is clockworkjunkiepodcast.gmail.com easiest way to get me is to dm me on instagram that's the fastest way um Thank you to everyone who's watching the podcast, and also thank you to everyone who's watching the new Flog series, the Playing the Game Flog series. Um, that's The podcasts are out on a Monday as normal. They'll always be coming out. The Flog series is just something extra. Um, it's just kind of more personal things that, that I'm doing, and people seem to like it, so thank you for that. Um, one last thing. Thank you to the people who've gotten involved with the Patreon account. The Patreon account is essentially... It's three euros a month. Everything on YouTube is free as it always is. It'll always be that way. The Patreon account is three euros a month, which I think ever VAT is 370 cents. There's exclusive podcasts, there's exclusive videos, behind the scenes, posts, loads of stuff. Everyone seems to be happy with it so far, and there's loads more stuff going up there. So thank you for doing that. The link for everything we're going to talk about today will be in the description below this video here. So anything we're talking about, you can go down and check it out uh, whenever you get a chance. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe like this video and hit the notification bell as well. Thank you very much. My guest after a long intro is Dr. Mark Rall. Mark welcome to the Clockwork Junkie podcast.
1: Thank you so much Mark. It's an absolute pleasure to to be joining you on your on the, on the podcast that I hear is is doing really well. Thank you.
0: Thank you Mark. There's a this is a subject that I haven't discussed on the podcast before. As a lot of people know, I have a lot of different interests. Um, science is, is, is one of my main interests along with mental health. Um, but I've never really did, discussed science fiction before. Um, I can bring two of those subjects to you now because I'm going to bring science fiction and science together. And, and it'll be, become more prevalent what I mean as the podcast goes on. Um, I suppose just a small bit about Mark, uh, and if, if I'm wrong on any of these, Mark, you can tell me. Mark has a degree in science, he has a master's in business, and he has a PhD in education. He's recently retired, um, teaching economics for nearly 25 years, and a cross-country teacher. Not to rest on his laurels, he's now an author as well, so congratulations on that, Mark. Um, that's I'm in the middle of Thanks. writing a book, and it's not easy. Um Thanks. The book and the subject matter is extremely interesting to me and and i'm very happy to have mark here to talk about today the name of the book is age decoded again that's in the description it is essentially what we're going to discuss today is kind of genetic engineering um, if you like enhancements to the human body to make us live longer run faster be stronger i i want to talk about with mark about the science behind it where we are now what it's looking like it's going to be in the future and then how that translates to the book. Um, so Mark, I suppose, can you give us a kind of intro of how you got into all of this and where you see it going?
1: Yeah, it was, it was really by happenstance. Um, if you had asked me say 15 years ago while I was teaching and coaching, whether I'd write a book on science or genetic engineering, I'd say, you're crazy. What are you smoking or whatever? There's no way I would, I had, very little knowledge of the topic. And, um, you know, it was just sort of, it was not really as top of mind as it is now these days, back 15 years ago. But um, I I am an athlete, I compete in triathlons. And uh, so uh, being competitive, but also being older, I, I noticed that things like your running speed and whatnot does slow down. uh, And I started doing a bit of research on that. And I would talk to a lot of the guys I'm competing against. I'm in the 60 to 65 year old age category for triathlon. And I was in the world championships competing for Canada. So I'm pretty serious about it. And I remember this conversation between two gentlemen who were my competitors. One guy was 64 and the other guy was 61. And the guy who was 64 said to the younger guy, you've got a big advantage over me. And I thought, whoa, that's weird. Like, how can you even tell the difference between 61 and 64? Yeah. So, so uh, and they could, they could actually tell that three year um, difference. So I started researching it more, looking into aging. And um, I discovered pretty quickly that there is some really uh, cool research going on uh, in that area in anti aging or even stopping aging or even going even further, reversing aging. Uh, and there's, um, you know, we can get into the researchers if you want later, but uh, in in Japan, Europe, United States, other places. So I started reading about that, and I thought, this is crazy. Like this is um, this this would be remarkable, not just for leads if you could stop aging or reverse it, <clears throat> but for anybody. Let's think about the implications for um, society for any person. So humans uh, need to learn. Uh, more about this, I do think we're headed in that direction. the The actual aging thing, whether genetic engineering solves that in the near future, or, or uh, I don't know, but I think eventually, yes. And all sorts of other things. So it's really it's sort of morphed into instead of my interest in triathlon to this more general awe mm-hmm. about genetic engineering, aging, and all the possibilities in the future. So I thought, you know, why don't you just started writing a novel about this because uh, it's such an intriguing topic. And so I started about 10 years ago and um, writing and publishing. It was not easy. I, I could not get a publisher back at that time period, um, being a first time author and um, science fiction, hugely competitive um, category, but I just kept, uh, kept the novel uh, in my back pocket. And then um, the last couple of years I revamped it. Uh, really modernized all the science because so much has happened even since then and then I got some editors to look at it carefully and got their feedback which was awesome and then um, designed a cover and then put it out there I self-published it because uh, these days self-publishing is much more viable so I I didn't even bother to reach out to any publishers so so Yeah. yeah here I am I'm an author uh crazy as it seems and i'm on your wonderful podcast talking about this book <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well listen i'm 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 all for that if uh, if you don't need people to help then do it yourself um i i kind of i i wouldn't be a fan on having to rely on somebody you know if you can do it yourself go and do it and, and and congratulations on that and i mean that from the bottom of my heart because a lot of people that didn't get a publisher may have given up but you didn't so
1: Thank you thank you
0: one nil to you um so this company CRISPR. um i just have a little thing written down here because um so it's a t- technology as far as i know called CRISPR, and it's used to it, it can edit genes it can find uh, specific bits of dna and it can alter the the, the, the gene or the cell in the, the dna um mm-hmm. like you know if if you were told that you were going to go blind when you were 25, and if you could have some uh, genetic engineering and you were offered it, I don't think anybody would say no. Um, If your child was born and you were told that your child is born, but has a 35% chance in their lifetime of getting cancer, but this injection or this will stop that. Um, I don't think anybody would have a problem with doing that. And I think that's science and it's good and it's but Mark, this worries me, you know, it actually worries me because, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: like, how far is this going to go? So like, like if I can do something to, to, uh, take away a cancer, I'm sure I can do something to give you cancer. Could it, 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 it may be used, um, like obviously, you know, I can emphasize just living to 150, 160, maybe 200 years of age in the very near future. Um, like look at us now, like, anything goes wrong, you get a pacemaker, you break your hip, you get a steel rod, you can... We're, we're, we're kind of like Terminators walking around, as it is now, as a society. Yeah. And and you mentioned something very important I- earlier on as well, which was that you had to kind of revamp your novel because where we are on this is moving so fast. And I think it's going to continue. Like, in in 50 years' time, there's absolutely nothing to say that there won't be some sort of medicine made or some sort of a genetic engineering process that's made that someone couldn't live to 200 years of age. Um, that being said, if you can do that, you can do the opposite. I'd be worried about like, um, biological warfare, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, what do you think? Yeah. Of that? So
1: uh, we could, yeah, there's so many ways of looking at this. So, uh, I like to think of it as, yeah, certainly, a technology that's going to hit us hard. It's going to be—I call it the tsunami—an um, amazing technology, though with huge upside. So, similar to maybe nuclear technology, we think about that for a moment. Uh, the the world has used nuclear technology uh, in nefarious ways. For example, we've used the bomb twice, and we threatened each other and spent a lot of money on nuclear weapons. Right that even if they're just sitting there, then it's a waste of money, isn't it? So, um, but we have these proliferation non-proliferation treaties, uh, the international atomic energy, uh, commission has done a very good job, pretty good job regulating the nuclear suppliers group of the world has done a, a fantastic job from all accounts of, of regulating. And then we've, we've, um, We've, so that's sort of the negative, which we've tried to control and keep an eye on and all that. And it it does cause a lot of headache and it's caused some death. Uh, So, you know, there's, that's the double-edged sword to nuclear, right? But the positive side is I live in Ontario, Canada, where we have um, something like 50% of our power, electrical power is supplied by nuclear and the rest, almost the rest by hydro. So we have very little fossil fuel burning. We're one of the greenest jurisdictions in the entire world. So um, we can brag about that. And nuclear helped us get to that point. So I think genetic engineering, like you said, is, has some troublesome, uh, potential, nefarious, unscrupulous, whatever you want to call applications. But um, like, for example, bioterrorism, think of what happened with COVID, how it disarmed yeah. the entire world. Well, What if somebody uses genetic engineering to create a a COVID that's a hundred times more potent and or more contagious or both. Imagine how, how that's going to put us back. So, you know, that's, I don't want to give anybody ideas, but you know, that sort of thing is, is possible. So, um, but um, I, I'm, I'm fairly hopeful and um, in my novel, I try to bring forward, you know, this anti-aging thing as one physical example of uh, engineering, which people more or less go for. Um, and then the other one is a psychological, um, uh, change because genetic engineering can change anything about you. It can change your creativity, your intelligence, your fearlessness. Uh, it's not just physical things like eye color and cancer and not and aging. It's, it's the, anything that's embedded or controlled by your genetic makeup. So it's, yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying and, um, I think it like any technology, even information technology, right? We have our viruses and ransomware and all that stuff, but IT has done incredible things for humanity too. So yeah, that's the, where I'm at. And there's no simple answer. And that's why I think the novel is great because you can imagine and feel some of the things that might go on and um, mm-hmm. through my characters and, and how they react to their world around them. Yeah.
0: And even I suppose um, like, you know, uh, it a bit closer to home like two normal okay let's say a couple in their 80s and both of them um that technology exists to 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 stop aging or perhaps even reverse aging mm-hmm. and one of them decides to do it and the other person decides not to do it um there's a big uh moral d- dilemma there you know um and we always assume that like I even said it at the start that um, if 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 you knew you were going to get sick and you had a drug, we call it a drug that will stop it or prevent it. Well, then you're going to take that drug. But when before Einstein died, he's one of the most highest IQs in the world. He said that he didn't want any help. That he wanted to die gracefully. Um, mm-hmm. and it was good enough for him. I'm sure it's good enough for a a, a lot of other people in the world as well. And it just brings up like. Like, it is fantastic. And I'm all for it, by the way, even though I'm going to play devil's advocate here all day. I'm definitely for it. I, I think it's great. All kinds of science got is great. Um, Just, you were saying earlier, I believe a couple of years ago, there was, I, I call it a global treaty where, you know, this genetic engineering, there was something signed that it had to be done humanely. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or did I yeah. see it in a movie?
1: Yes. Yeah. There have been. Um... UNESCO has a committee on this. There, there was an international commission. There was a, In 2018, there was an international commission of the Royal Academies of Science. And I believe the UK was one of the leaders on that, as well as the United States. And they made a declaration about the use of uh, genetic engineering for germline. germline, genetic engineering especially. Germline is where you're, you're engineering something about a human where when you make that change through their DNA, it'll then be inherited by future humans. So that's very serious, right? Because that's getting into the gene pool and that's yes. going to be passed on to future generations. As opposed to say, um, for example, <coughs> excuse me, they're treating blindness, a certain type of blindness, <coughs> excuse me, i just frog in my throat, uh, blindness where they go into a full-fledged adult, they inject um, some particles into their retina and then those particles are directed to the um, DNA inside the the, uh, the eye, which um, decodes or changes the genetic make- makeup. But it doesn't change their um, reproductive um, DNA. So, you know, it'll help those adults, but it won't be passed on. So there's a, that's a big difference with the germline. The first thing I mentioned affects the sperm and the egg and, and all future um, gene pool. So that commission in 2018 dealt with that topic. And there was also another, there's two summits, one in 2015 and one in 2019 or 18, I believe, in the United States. They had all these experts. It wasn't the Royal Academies, but it was all these experts come together and also make declarations about, um, you know, what kind of genetic engineering we should be doing. And also a really important thing they said was that whatever we do, there should be a broad societal... Participation or consensus on what we use it for. What do we use? You know, what do we spend this money on? Should we be enhancing eye color, or should we be trying to solve just diseases like Huntington's and cystic fibrosis, all the uh, Alzheimer's? Um, should you use it for athletes to become stronger and faster? Um, all these questions they were trying to grapple with. So there have been some some um, organized um, statements by scientists um, very recently on this. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, that's <clears throat> I've actually hadn't considered the very first Like I was thinking about this podcast for a couple of days and it was kind of in my mind you know I kind of like to ponder uh, if I know what the subject is and just what are my thoughts on it and I, I, I never even thought of the fact that if you got a modification and it was done in your DNA in your genes that the future generations might get it as well she, mm-hmm. Yeah. so like but, but you know and, and even going into a complete science fiction science fiction geek mode here uh, who's watched too much Lord of the Rings and all stuff like that but I mean you know if I got into the wrong hands they, they, you could have like you could make an army of indestructible soldiers um,
1: yes you could yeah you could um, you know the you could make almost robot like yeah. qualities for humans yeah. Um you know, I, there's so many ways to look at this. Like we could look at maybe another psychological thing that you've talked about on your show before, which is depression. Um, the university of Glasgow, Scotland just released a study, I think a few months ago where they were looking at the genetic aspects of depression. And I mean, obviously there is a genetic link. It's not just environmental. And, um, they they discovered a lot of genes that are involved with depression. It's not one simple you know one gene you can solve it. Like whereas some other things like Huntington's and cystic fibrosis, it's just one gene, and they can really they're probably going to tackle those ones first. But depression is a little more complicated. But they also found really intriguing was there is there was one gene like the DCC gene I think they call it, which is um, very common for males and females if they have the that it would be that gene that's involved. But almost all the other genes or many of the other genes were separate genes for males and females. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And uh, in in, and in the United States, they just did a study on bipolar disorder and they found that there's um, something like 65 genes involved in that. But again, okay, interesting, it overlapped with schizophrenia and... Um, um, Just depression. So bipolar, depression, schizophrenia, there is a certain amount of overlap, maybe 15 or 20 genes. So it's very, it is complicated, but if the more they can do to learn about this, they can help people. um, They might be able to genetically modify them without changing their um, reproductive uh, genes. So they can target those areas that are required you might be able to target a part of the brain without affecting um your future offspring it's, you know yeah. so yeah it's like very, I, very I, intriguing
0: I, it absolutely, i mean it is it, like i i fully you know during my time with depression i went and seen um a counselor i i, I spoke to psychiatrists um lovely people very very educated but they did not know what they were talking about because they never had depression um, and I think that we're, although we think we, we've come very far in medicine and, and, and in stuff that we know, I think we're so far away from what the reality of mental health illness is, that it's unbelievable. And it's interesting to hear you say, it, coming out of Scotland, that there was a lot of different genes involved, a lot of different, you know what I mean? That's, a, the, you know... Yeah. There's a, a lot more work that has to be done into that, but that's an extremely, I actually wasn't aware of that, but what I was aware of, I, I seen Mark on another podcast and you you said something that I looked up afterwards. It was crazy. Can you tell, like so people might say, sure, this will never work. It's never like this has worked. And isn't there a mosquito in the down in the Florida area? Can you just tell that uh, example?
1: Yeah. So there's been some breakthroughs in, um, trying to solve the diseases that mosquitoes carry. So yeah, the genetic engineering can be used for other creatures too, other living beings, and it might still help humans, right? So this is a case of that where, I actually, I think Imperial College London too has done very good research on this. So designing mosquitoes that can then be sort of released into the mosquito population, and then it drives out the mosquitoes that are causing you know dengue fever or some of these other uh, malaria whatever it is so yeah in florida they just uh, a few weeks ago um in collaboration with uh, i think it's uc irvine so in collaboration with a university and in collaboration with oxitec corporation so usually there's a uh, corporation involved uh, government entity like a university or something like that Um, and also all sorts of government regulators are involved in this because they're basically releasing these new mosquitoes into the Florida Keys right it's it's sort of an experiment first time I believe and trying to drive out these uh, the uh, those mosquitoes that carry the disease so yeah we'll see how that goes so far so good I hear but um, that's something positive
0: Uh, you know that's something positive but is there and uh, just before we get into the book like, like is there an element of of us playing god here like the ethics yeah, the of god sure is, is crazy
1: yeah you're taking control and you're it's not just natural selection or you know the law of the jungle operating here it's humans tightly controlling things more so than ever and tinkering more than ever and pulling like a, almost like a puppeteer you know pulls the yeah. string. Yeah. yeah there's definitely more of that and um hopefully we do it in beneficial ways without too many uh, what they call the unintended side effects.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hello, sir. We've, we've cured your cancer, but you have seven eyeballs now, you know, this kind of, Yeah.
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. It's just, just so, it's so interesting to me because when I think about it, like I, I always look even, you know, just picture 500 years into the future. Like, people could be living to 300 years of age easy um now i can understand how that would be fantastic for man space missions and for terraforming mars or whatever like it's it's from that mosquito to sending somebody to the nearest star and everything in between this uh genetic engineering it had it's it's good for all of those things i mean the argument could be made that uh you know um natural selection has worked for millions of years and jesus don't go changing it but i mean i think we will you know like look like i you know and there's already stuff going on there's tests going on there's like i looked into it just before i talked to you and it's although i thought it was a prevalent subject i didn't realize how 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 popular it is and all the work that's going on um
1: yeah there's sorry yep
0: no no go on go on
1: yeah so incredible work going on um If we could just look at the anti-aging work again, is because that is sort of a focus of my book. And by the way, it's not all a bowl of cherries for the people who start living for hundreds of years. You find out in my book, it changes the whole psychology of what it is to be a human. When you know that, you're probably not going to die. So um, unless you have an accident, right? But you're not going to die from old age. And in my book, they start reverse aging too. So there's one very thoughtful, mindful character I have in my book Uh, his name ironically is Jesus, even though he's a Buddhist, but he's a very thoughtful, he's definitely um, philosophizes over things. And he's older, he's 76 years old and he gets, um, first of all, he's age decoded. So he never gets any older Then, about, then they discover age reversing and he, and he's sort of deciding, should I go for that? So I, I don't want to give away too much on him, but he, he's the he's the voice of um you know sort of the critical reason uh, you know like what what did this do to me I, i'm almost at the i'm almost dead i'm very frail i feel like i can, I can still think straight but you know I, uh, and if i do age reversal i'll in 50 years i'll be the same age as my granddaughter his granddaughter is quite he's quite close to in the book and he's trying to picture do i want to be the same age as 25 years old you know it's crazy right so um it's you know it's the impact of these things are are, are um, it's, it's it is speculation. It's science fiction, but the science behind it now is real science. And I can yeah. just give you a couple examples, if you don't mind. Yeah. One would be um, um, Shin'ya Yaman- Yamanaka from uh, Kyoto University. He won the Nobel Prize in 2012, actually, in physiology on his <clears throat> research into using. He's a stem cell researcher, and he. Um, I, I'm not sure the exact way he did this, but it's sort of using stem cells and, and, and new, new cells from, from egg and whatnot. And then, so to, and then implanting those into older cells and then sort of regenerating those older cells within, um, within living beings. So that in a sense made them younger. Um, and so he's a, he's a big name in this, um, but. Maybe more more people may know about uh, Dr. Sinclair, David Sinclair from Harvard University, who's been um, looking more at how the gene expresses itself. So it's he he actually isn't decoding the gene; he's decoding how the gene is interpreted by what's called the epigenome, which is very important. He says it's just as important as the gene itself. He said you're not you're not this your gen- your genes are not your destiny he says it's the way your body interprets your genes too that matters so he's changing the interpretation in dogs and whatnot trying to make them younger so they they they, they sort of unlock their younger genes and and which become sort of blocked and and sort of fizzle out as you get older to unblock those again and unlock them so make make dogs younger so he he thinks <clears throat> he thinks he can solve aging and all the related diseases of aging and uh, there are other brilliant minds like George Church from Harvard University um, and um, Stephen Horvath from UCLA they're all looking at not just stopping aging but reversing it or, various ways of doing it so they're um george church thinks that by 2030 he will solve age 2030 i'm like what that's all, i'm checking that that's only eight years away in my book it, they solve it in 2053 um who knows it's all speculation It could so be in, another 100 years 200 years Norfolk, maybe they uh, this yeah, character so. jesus
0: when he is uh yes when his agent has stopped when, when when he's gonna when he's debating whether or whether not to uh, reverse the aging process so he'd be the same age as his granddaughter, yes. Yeah. Does he's his IQ or his intelligence doesn't drop back to when he was twenty five? Just his physical body, yeah. If he had decided to do it.
1: Yeah, I never dealt with that. I, I just call it the biological age. So, you know, yeah. if you think about it, your your IQ. Uh, I don't think he would lose his memories. I actually didn't describe that, but I don't think the IQ would be too severely affected. Right? Let's face it. Your IQ actually might be just a stronger, stronger than 25. So um, He's a bright guy. He would be bright as a 25 year old. But uh, just bizarre.
0: I'm 44 now. If if somebody said to me, we can make your body go back to when you're 20 years of age, would you like to do it? I'd say yes. Let's say that... um, but all your experience and your wisdom you picked up over the 44 years will be gone as well. You'll just be as wise as you were when you are 20. And then I'd say, no, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge thing, you know?
1: It is a huge thing. And actually, if I could go back to those two, so you've got the grandfather and then his granddaughter is Zymana, who is, she's 25. She's locked into that sweet age of 25, which a lot of people go for. Um, I'm just putting my glasses on because I wanted to read something she said. Um, um, So her name is Zymana. She is, um, she's locked in at 25. Now her mother, who's the heroine in the novel, and we haven't talked about her, but her mother, her her mother's suicide has been faked. Um, And I don't want to give too much about that, but it's basically, it's it's, um, something to do with the government trying to, muzzle her mother who's been speaking out against this technology, even though her mother invented it. Her mother wins the Nobel Prize for inventing this. Her mother's Dr. Frida. So her mother, Zaymana thinks her mother has killed herself, but her mother has not killed herself. Her mother is still alive but held captive by the government and to sort of muzzle her and keep her working on reversing because she's got a brilliant mind, right? Now Zaymana, so Zaymana's lost her mother, at least so she thinks. Her grandfather is looking after this Jesus fella. And Zimena, um, also her father left her, because when her mother killed herself, her father was so affected that he just sort of left town and couldn't deal with bringing yeah. up a child. So it's it's a horrible situation. Imagine if you lost both your mother and your father, right? So Zimena, she, she says to herself, uh, and also Zimena's stuck at 25. She's, you know, like she's chosen 25. That's her fixed age now, right? Mm-hmm. So she says here, I'm stuck in one egotistical dimension, alone. What's it like to nurture a baby, to bring up a child, to see it walk and talk for the very first time? Oh, by the way, in this society, you can't, Children, to have a child would be, you'd have to win a lottery to have the right to have a child, right? Because nobody's dying, so they can't have many births, right? Sure. So that's why yeah, she's yeah. discussing this to herself. What's it like to listen to a son or a daughter tell stories about school and friendships, to grow old, witnessing the mature. Into adults, companions, and caregivers. What's it like to be fully ex- to fully experience the cycle of life with loved ones? Um, I'll never know the joy of being a real mother like women were in the old days. If I did come to know it, it would be in some artificial way. So that's that's the uh, impact on the other side too. You, you're, if without if you stop aging, you're not going to have. The generations that we have right now with old people, especially if you're reverse aging, you won't have as many or any old people, and you won't have any many young people, you'll just have all these perfect people at 25 years old. Um, but some people have
0: more experience, like for instance, I could have been 112 and I could have been on my deathbed, and you're in your yeah. early 60s. And I could be reversed back to this age, but have more experience than you because I had lived for 106 years.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I hadn't
0: considered, Mark, was that um, of course you can't have children because if if nobody's dying, the population is already too big.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. yeah? That would be a big issue. That would be a big issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That whole international intergenerational thing of, of love and bonding and you know grandfather's granddaughter's mm. grandson's mother's um, that whole parents that whole thing would be a part of society which is which I think is such an important fabric of society would be probably eradicated or uh, and if you don't mind could I read one other section Absolutely, of the book involves, yeah. Go uh, for uh okay so it's sort of a, it's sort of a metaphor for this what I'm talking about again mm. and it's a it's a soccer game so there are still some young people and uh, but not many so but they're very rare so people when they when young people play a game of soccer or something a lot of the other people want to go out and watch them because it's such an amazing event to see young people playing a sport so they actually pay to sort of adopt in their mind a young person for the game that they can cheer for pretend it's their son or daughter and uh, in this game um, there's a picture the soccer pitch and and then there's beside the soccer pitch there's a, a graveyard with tons of stones, old stones, sort of unkept with weeds and dandelions and whatnot, but it's a graveyard and then a fence and then the soccer pitch where the kids are playing. So that's that's sort of the setting. So during the game, those old stones stood as one in the background, not in opposition to the youthful game in the foreground, but as a subconscious set of spirits gathered to follow a beautiful game, to worship the of and the exuberance of the playing children And to earn some respect in return. That respect came in the form of furtive little glances from the young girls and boys in the direction of the Stones, as if to say to the Stones, we know you're there, we can see you when we want to, and we very much know what you're about. At this boundary between the cemetery and the soccer pitch, the old and the young, the two forlorn groups of this new world, whispered ununified sorry whispered unified statements and made mutual offerings
0: jesus crazy like you've you've looked at this uh, you you've looked at this from on high you know like you've nearly pictured it happening you've went through all your characters and then brought the, what it would be feeling inside like Obviously, you have to have a great imagination to do that, but like it, that may very well be fact in, 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 in the coming years. Like that may be fact. In the book, them children, let's say, for example, you were 12 years of age. Could you at 12 years of age, yes, r- remain 12 years of age?
1: No, they don't allow that, so they figure 25 minimum, and most people go for the 25. Ah, oh,
0: yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's crazy. And when you say it, like they obviously die at some stage, like they don't live forever. They,
1: they could, they they might die if they, you know, catch a bad bug or something or have an accident. So, okay. but like no, carcass. they're not really expected to die. Uh, some of them mm-hmm. could live for two, three thousand years. Now my book only goes out about two hundred fifty years, and then it just that's the end of the book. But
0: it's a it's strange like that, um, like, like back in the olden days, we often hear of people that live to two or 300, 500, 700 years of age. You'd wonder where, 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 where those myths, myths or, or myths are or going back to what you spoke about earlier, where you can see how the gene interprets itself, as in they were doing in dogs, you know? Maybe they're able to, these Shaolin monks or these people who had no internet and they could spend time being with themselves in nature, maybe they were regenerating themselves all the time it's
1: so interesting it is it's pretty profound so that's the fun of uh doing science fiction but somebody asked me um uh mark somebody asked me on another podcast well this is just science fiction right and yeah it is and but i my answer also was um if you took the top scientists 200 scientists uh, some of these that i mentioned across the world who are researching genetic engineering or anti-aging whatever and you put them in a room and ask them to try to project 200 years in the future they're going to be writing science fiction too it's just it's all speculation it's it's um but i did try my book to try to i did try my best to make it realistic so it's called like hard hard speculative fiction where you're you're not in the sky you're not on crazy other planets with aliens and all that no i tried to actually yes. project our world forward a couple hundred years and i uh, had a lot of fun with it i must say it was like you yes. say, yeah you got to be open-minded and yeah it's a lot of fun
0: yeah like i mean you you would have to be open-minded but i don't think you'd have to be too open-minded because like it's 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 like it's not ridiculous it's it, it is science fiction but it definitely can't be science fact it, it definitely can be i mean you know in 50 years time we will be able to perhaps like even shorter than that we'll be able to stop the aging process i'm sure if it doesn't mean that they will give it to us or we'll be allowed to have it or it'll be common practice but i'm sure the utility of having it there will be maybe it's there now and we just don't know um like we,
1: we yeah who knows right yeah
0: we can't always be sure that we know everything you know that um Like, I I wouldn't be in the slightest bit surprised, uh, especially the likes of you know, teams and companies and working with NASA when they're trying to get people to trips to Mars or trips to you know, different stars or whatever the case may be. Like, humans can't go there, it has to be robots, but robots are as good and all as they are 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 limited in what they can do when they get there. Whereas, if humans could go there and and live for 800 years, you know. it's absolutely crazy. Um, there's a thing that I yep. read, and I don't know much about it. And maybe you might be able to shed some light. So at the start of the podcast, we, we, we spoke about CRISPR, and that's the technology that's able to do this. Is is this a science fiction or does this exist, an anti-CRISPR? Is that a real thing?
1: There is. Uh, yes. Um... Okay. Okay that just popped up recently and that is very intriguing so um unfortunately i wasn't able to put that in my book because it just happened in the last month or so um jonathan weissman dr jonathan weissman and a group near mit it's not in mit but it's associated with it called the whitehead institute they just um uh well, they, they came on with a CRISPR on and CRISPR off type thing where you can reverse CRISPR. So you do a CRISPR effect, then you unedit it, almost like you would in a document. So that's pretty cool. That's CRISPR on, CRISPR off. And then there's another group also associated with MIT. I think they're actually in MIT. MIT be wrong on this, but they're called the Broad Institute. So uh, anyway, all of these institutes involve brilliant scientists from the Boston, MIT area. And that group, uh, I believe it's Amit Shadri, Shavstri, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but that doctor and his coworkers came up with something. They literally call what you just said, which is anti-CRISPR. And that sounds really fascinating because that would be sort of like, almost like an antidote to any CRISPR tinkering. So let's say there was some bioterrorism thing that was being spread across the world. They could inject anti-CRISPR into people to uh, sort of as a, like a uh, like we we, we inject um, the the um, vaccines or yeah. to fight against COVID. So yeah, it's, it's, things are happening so quickly. It actually seems to be accelerating. And uh, I just read about these two things in the last couple of months after I wrote my book. Yeah. Um, oh, and then another hard one, hard. they just popped. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I was reading, a, listened to a podcast coming up to the cottage here yesterday. And um, in my book, I have something called a neuro-integrated transmitter because I'm trying to go into the future so I'm having fun with other things too right and one the the NIT the neuro-integrated transmitter is a device that would be sort of in your head integrated with your brain and so you don't have to touch a smartphone anymore you just sort of do the commands from within your head and then you can see everything share things you still message people it's just acting like it's like having a smartphone but directing it through your neural, um, circuitry, your own circuitry. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast and they're talking about Elon Musk's new Neuralink, which, um, I, I didn't know, but it's already connecting with neurons. I think it was about 50 to hundred neurons in pigs and integrating with the actual physiology of the pig. And it's going down about one centimeter in their cerebrum. Uh, So it's not going deep into the brainstem or anything, but it's, it's, it's actually integrating. It's just like uh, the neuro integrated transmitter, but it's the the beginning steps and, and Musk thinks that he can solve depression um, and all sorts of other um, human ailments through these uh, neural links. And he's putting a lot of money into this. So, and he's, I I never, you know, I never decry anything Musk does because he's not afraid to, try things and he's had some success so
0: like, yeah um, he's, he's he's doing great with uh returning to earth rockets which in the long run will save billions when you bring us up, up to the space station and stuff like that but also they're they're making things at the moment where it's it's like a, a contact lens where you can put it in your eye but although the outline of everything will be there their the colors will be different like that's i think that's china they're doing that in but there, there, there's so much stuff that they're making and you know where it'll all go we don't know yet what will work with what what won't work but uh if you have to make an anti crispr to me being a layman that means that the fucking crisper is working and working well because
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you know why do you need to reverse something that doesn't work you know um
1: yeah well, part of their intention over there is to, with the anti-CRISPR, to make the CRISPR safer. So, what like, right now, CRISPR has some side effects. Like, you go and you added this part, but you might just damage a little bit of the DNA over here, too. So they want, what they do is they apply anti-CRISPR to the boundaries and then do the CRISPR. So it's supposed to make CRISPR more effective. But it also, they did say it could be an antidote to terroristic uses yeah. of CRISPR, too.
0: But that makes sense. You, yeah. know, uh, you know, if... if okay, you're trying to get your mumps, measles and rubella injections, and also, oh, you forgot to give young Johnny, his anti-Crisper there as well, <laughs> another little injection, off you go. But, uh, like, this, like, um, virtual reality as well, like, I mean, it's huge over in Asia. It's big everywhere, but it's huge in Asia where, like, People could sit down in, in a virtual world that in scale size is three or four times bigger than art and they buy properties in it. I know people got jailed for malevolent behavior on these sites over in China. Um, right. You can imagine this and you can imagine, okay, listen, what we're going to do for you, Mark, is we're going to let you live to a thousand. You'll be regenerated. You'll be fine. We're going to put you sitting in a chair and now you live to the thousand in this virtual world where you're fucking Superman or Brad Pater, Ryan Goslinger. This, this kind of thing that sounds like fun
1: yeah that's I think that my sequel might have something to do with all this because it's not just genetic engineering but all of this neurointegrated stuff all of this uh, I don't know if you've read any uh, Ray Wurzels um, Singular, the singularity is near and then he's coming out with a book this year which is called the singularity is nearer and uh, the concept of the singularity where where we're talking about singularity where like artificial intelligence and quantum computers and super really artificial super intelligence um, accelerates. So instead of you know the law of diminishing returns in economics where things you know the more you put into, the less you really get yeah. for that next step. No, this is an acceleration like it just takes off in the in the artificial intelligence world so we get to the point where humans, he predicts that by 2045, there won't be humans because you know, or what it will be mean to be human will be completely different. It'll be a little what you just said, will be plugged into this huge neural network empowered in so many ways we can't even imagine right now. Mm-hmm. And then that neural network will itself have a consciousness and a power yeah. of thinking that's we can't even conceptualize. So therefore we are then sort of reduced to something not human. Um, yeah. But your you can see it in a dystopian dreams. way. It could be dystopian, yeah. but it could be it could be empowering too. Again, it's a double edged thing, right? So, storage, yeah. uh,
0: like everything uh, you say, uh, I, I feel positive positively about it. And two seconds later then I think of a problem. Yeah. It. Well, know. Right. It's like <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but but, but uh, it's um did you say in your sequel to your book?
1: Yeah, well if I were to do a sequel I'm right now I'm working on another book right now which is a nonfiction about running a trap hunter so but I'm also would like to do a sequel to this book age decoded because it's just uh, such a fascinating topic and they're going yeah. maybe further into the future or the uh, looking at the i don't know looking at the convergence almost like the convergence of robots and humans that seems to be where it's going maybe i could call it convergence right because humans are going to become more designed like robots and robots are becoming more human so in the end i think it's all going to converge yeah sort of weird you might have your own heart
0: and feelings and thoughts and memories and consciousness in a synthetic body that lasts forever right um but don't they say yeah. now that um i think it's 99.8 percent they're 99 oh, who are they but they're 99.8 certain that we're living in a simulation anyways you know
1: it could I mean, all be one simulation that's right yeah. yeah so i i mean i haven't talked much about divinity or aliens or things like that yet and um but yeah you can Connect those concepts too with any yeah. any of this. Whether we're just part of one big simulation that's defined by some other um, uh, godlike entity. I mean, you can bring religion into it. C.S. Lewis, who was, I guess, I think he was from Belfast, uh, was he not? Born in Belfast. Um, I could give you a quote by him. Like he you know, he was uh, he was religious, but also a big thinker. And I cannot believe he wrote. Um, In 1943, he wrote that um, if any one age attains by eugenics and scientific education the power to make its descendants what it pleases, then all men who live after that are patients of that power. And he also said man's power over nature turns out to be a power exercised by some men over for other men, with nature as its instrument. I cannot believe he wrote that in 1943. So what's that, 80 years ago? uh,
0: That sounds like something a a time traveler would write, you know?
1: Yeah, and it it was in a a book called Abolition of Man. That's the name of the book. So we're talking about the same thing now. What what will it be like to be human if we design ourselves, fashion ourselves, uh, tinker with ourselves with not just nurturing ourselves but changing our fundamental nature uh going forward that that is yeah it's maybe not the abolition of man but it's the huge uh, alteration of man or maybe that's what every
0: um, advanced civilization around the world or around the universe has done maybe like if we expect to see a little green man maybe that doesn't exist maybe you have to first of all learn how to use all the all the, the stuff you can on your planet and then you have to change your own physical appearance your own physical longevity yeah. and tolerance and stuff um maybe that's just par for the course maybe maybe like i know like obviously um i'm not religious at all whatsoever so like uh, that, uh darwin's theory of evolution is set in stone for me but i don't yes. know that there, there's there's a huge um there's a time where and it seems to be, and I haven't got the numbers offhand because I I, I didn't expect to touch on this, but where we just changed completely. And there's this whole ancient alien thing where they came down and we were already genetically enhanced um, our our DNA to, to think better. And like it would explain everyone down through history talking about the gods, talking about people coming descending from chariots from upon the skies. But it would also, exp- like for me, I need proof and it's impossible to get proof but the biggest proof that i could get that something was wrong was that in peru and in australia there's the same drawings of the same people on 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 sketchings on walls but this would be before they even even knew each other existed now that Mm -hmm. is impossible so there's something in our history there's something in our past whether it was uh and an advanced, not advanced as us, but an advanced civilization that was wiped out of some cities or something that we're missing in our in our past.
1: Something that we're missing, yeah. And it, it actually could be within us, too. It may not be some external thing. It might be something we're missing about ourselves. And um, so it's almost like there's a phrase, I have seen the enemy and it is us. Well, that that phrase, you could re, re, reconfigure it and say, I have seen the alien and it is us. Yeah. alien we could become the alien ourselves um so but yeah it's the mysteries are wonderful and uh, that's one thing i really liked about trying to grapple with this subject is it uh i do think it's a huge topic and i think it's going to have profound implications um yeah yeah
0: like i i as i i've I've said off air i i hadn't had a chance to read a book i'm looking for like I was going to read it anyways because I had you on the show, but now that you've given me a few snippets, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, I, yeah, I hadn't you. realized that the, 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 the book spanned 250 years. Um, that's really, really cool, like, you know, because you're going to get kind of a, a a generational side to it as well. Yeah, it's just, you know, like, even the story itself has enough interest that you probably will have to do a sequel, you know, when you're finished your triathlon. Um after all, yeah, yeah I, when you when you get your genetic engineering, you might live to be a thousand, so it, it could be a series of right. two hundred books, you know. And I read it whenever. That's the thing. If you're going to live yeah. to one thousand, there's no rush to do anything. I mean, you'd have no problem getting a mortgage off the bank. Uh, I'm going to give you one euro, yeah, uh, well, one euro per month. No problem. That's it with the interest rate of two percent. Yeah, sure. You know.
1: Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there are some people yeah. wandering around in my book who have like 15 PhDs, right? Because they've been around for 250 <laughs> years. They like to learn, right? I and mean, one PhD is definitely not going to be enough for a lifetime if you yeah, live yeah. for centuries. Of course, i just talked about know, another problem
0: now. If you live to 3,000 years of age, at what age is retirement age?
1: Yeah, so that's <laughs> another thing. Some people... <laughs> Some people don't want to work because they figure they can just delay it. And other people actually in my book, a more serious thing, there's a thing called immortality ennui where people just become tired and listless and bored. And uh, because maybe apparently we're designed for like, for example, would I have written this book? If I knew, you know, I had several centuries to think about and procrastinate. Uh, no, I'm writing the book because I know, I'm probably going to die in 20 or 30 years, uh, if, even if I'm lucky, and so I want to I want to pass on something you know, beyond me and do something creative and uh, yeah. and uh, and I'm not I'm not young for a first-time author. I'm 60 or 61 years old, right, for a first-time yeah. author. Uh, so I think Frank McCart was uh, who did your your um Angelus ashes was in his 60s i think he was 67 for when he retired exactly. from teaching but that's rare i mean usually people doing creative things will do it earlier so you know if i if we know we're going to live forever how does that change your whole psyche or psychology or ambitions or motivations I, I, know I don't like know. that um, like a, i like i
0: i won't keep you for much longer on the podcast but this is something that i you know if somebody came to me now and said mark you were going to, I'm 44 years of age, you were going to live to be 100, will you accept it? I would say, yes, no problem whatsoever. I take it. I'd be happy in the knowledge. That'd be fine. But if I was 99 years of age, 11 months and three weeks, and it came to me and said, you're going to live to 100, I'd say, no, I take any injection to live longer. So some people think, like, I think, you know, the, the consensus is, oh, no, I'll be around too long. It's time to die, and everybody can talk shit all they want. When it's your last week to live, if you're offered a serum, you're you're fucking you're guzzling that down. They don't give a shit if it gives you 16 hours' hold. You're taking it, man. That's it.
1: Yeah, they well, they certainly guzzle down this age decoding in my book right, that mm-hmm. most people go for it. it's offered free by the government because they don't want to be making it just for rich people. Make it equitable, make it free. It's actually a fairly easy procedure. Just go in for 20 minutes, just like getting your eyes checked or something. Uh, but there is a scandal in it too, because while they're in there getting their aging stopped, the um, there's a psychological tampering that goes on so i don't want to say too much about it but that's crucial to the book too is because we can yeah. change psychology so i thought i would throw that every book needs a scandal right <laughs> and, uh, this is uh,
0: the, the the problem you see as well with these because you 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 know like we've got our i've got my double jab of my coronavirus i think it's going to help me but what's to say that there's not a some genetic DNA, some <laughs> subservient serum, got in there, and the next time when I that's fought, right. I, I fought for somebody specific, as opposed to you know. I
1: like that subservient serum. That's a good. Yeah, I like, that's, that's a good I, I'm going to that. that. <laughs> <laughs> subservient serum. You can
0: use that for the um, for the sequel.
1: Yeah, in my book, I call it the the uh, the clip the propensity to dissent. I just call it the ah. propensity to dissent. So. Right
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, so you have everyone in they just line now. they
1: they muted a little bit. The, the, one of these that's in that, so sort of make people a little more synkophatic uh, and. Yeah, that's clever. Them.
0: So now you're going to live to be a couple of thousand years old, and you're going to be, you know, less argumentative. Wow, that is great. Um,
1: and you won't vote out the government.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they are going to live for three thousand years as well. Jesus, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so I wanna yeah. die. I wanna
1: die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Look,
0: I just want to say, that, Mark, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed uh, having a chat. It's like it's definitely food for thought. And it's it's um the link for the book is in here. Um it's on Amazon, I believe, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's available. The link I'll have uh connection to the main retailers like Apple, Amazon, Indigo, Cobo, etc. Sure. Okay.
0: And it's e uh, ebook, is it?
1: It's an ebook and the, the title is Age Decoded with a hyphen in there, just so people know there is a age hyphen decoded. It's an ebook. I'm looking at um, maybe getting it into a print book or maybe at least an audio book. And there is actually a publisher that has approached me recently. So who knows? It might be that might help me get it more international and into a print form. I, I, I would like to explore the ebooks books uh, there now, but or maybe some other formats too yeah, on this
0: I, I think the most popular one at the moment is the audiobook that's you know people like to go for a walk and maybe listen to the book okay for, for yes for, for for the next 14 days i'm gonna to listen to mark's book um preferably by the mind. problem is i'm
1: gonna to have to narrate my narrate it myself because there's so many crazy new terms in there nobody's gonna know how to pronounce them like okay. creating your own terms like uh, uh you know. Pictoplath, neuro-integrated transmitter, laser neuro-splicing. I had to create all these futuristic (laughs) terms. Yeah, so it's
0: it's self-narration as well as everything else.
1: Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I uh, I I really appreciate you having me on, Clockwork Junkie. Um, It's nice to connect with someone from Ireland. I have some family background there with the name Ryle, Cork County, I think. Yeah, we
0: just spoke uh, off here. Um, my brother James lives like an hour away from Mark. It's uh, I passed by there a couple of months ago. Or when the last time, was in Toronto, um, going to Niagara Falls, and Mark would have driven past my town, Athlon Town, when he was on his honeymoon. So, yes, it's, it's it's such a small world.
1: Yes, driven with the standard, which I'm not used to driving standard, and with the left the right other side of the road and the yeah. clutch on like so. I think I drove my. Fiance, nuts. I think she was following divorce for divorce before we finished the honeymoon just because of my driving. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy.
0: And, and and in this dystopian world, there'll be no divorce allowed as well. So she, she would have to stay with you for 3,000 years. You can pass that message on yes. to for me. All right, go on. I, I will, go, my
1: dear wife, Lynn. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You, sir. I really All appreciate the best. it. Take it easy. All the best, Mark. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.